Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to this, the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris Howard from Lace Partners, and I am joined in a duet today by Emma Leonis, who's our Exec Director of HR Transformation. Em, you all right? Good, thank you, Chris. How's it going? I'm really good. I'm fabulous. And the reason I'm fabulous is we're going to talk the future of HR shared services, which is our new white paper, fresh off the press, the virtual mm-hmm. press that is, because we haven't got anything printed at the moment because we're all in lockdown and uh, we don't know everyone's email, everyone's home addresses to send them to. So we'll do something in the new year where we'll uh, have the hard copies available. But as I said, virtual, fresh off the virtual press, we're going to talk about the uh, the white paper which you authored and released at the beginning of November, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yes. An area that I am particularly passionate about, as you know. <laughs> yes, very passionate about. And it's got some really, really interesting parts to it. So just before we then talk about some of the details on it and you know why you decided to compile it and bits like that, if you do want to access so on our website, it is at www.lacepartners.co.uk forward slash shared services. There's some information on there. There's a quick two minute video with you and I on it talking about the uh, the the white paper itself as well. So if you want to listen to that. And if you want to download the ripe white paper and read it in full, you can certainly do that as well. But let's talk about your thought process and also the reason you compiled the report. Because I wanted to just take a little bit of time today to go over, you know, what you'd seen and who you'd spoken to and why you decided to write. So can you just give me a top line from that perspective? Yeah, of course, Chris. So I guess in my career, shared services has been something that's always been of particular interest. Thinking about the fact that it's an engine room from a day-to-day operations standpoint to support HR, but also the potential value that therefore exists within that capability. And, you know, as a as a concept, um, shared services isn't anything new. You know, organisations have been on that journey in some shape or form for 20, 25 years now. You know, thinking about financial shared services, HR shared services, IT procurement, you know, there was outsourcing. You, you tend to find these things come back round and then you end up insourcing. But a lot of the time in the past, that's been very much driven with cost optimization as kind of the, mm. the main agenda item. And I still do think that's really, really important. Don't get me wrong. But businesses are definitely, I think, now seeing that there is another angle here for shared services, and um, particularly in HR, which is focusing on driving more of that value and experience lens as well. Thinking about the fact that if you increase experience and um, focus on that, in theory, that should help drive engagement, drive productivity, and therefore drive increased value. So that was one, one of the reasons, that shift, I guess, in business expectations around HR shared services. And that also linked to some of the initial thinking that we shared in HR on the offensive in that white paper last year, um, mm-hmm. which is obviously the, the overall brand and, and kind of concept for our podcasts. And in that, we talked a little bit around perhaps the traditional perceptions of HR shared services as being maybe an operational service provider, and that being kind of about brilliant basics and doing that really well to give you then the mandate to do more. Again, absolutely, I I agree that is something that HR Shared Services needs to focus on and in all organisations is still focusing on. But, and there is big but, I do think from my personal experience and also the clients that I've had the privilege of working with, 
that there is a perception that it can be so much more. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, though, because to, to date in a lot of organizations, HR Shed Services has been a back office support function, has been there to do what it's been asked to do. Has it really necessarily had the voice and the mandate to be anything different, i.e. be anything but admin transactional supports and to an extent career management support as well so that mandate question I think is one for debate and there was that perception in a lot of the participant organizations that they wanted to do so much more that when thinking about the drive to focus on balancing cost management with also then that drive to look at experience HR shared services being at the heart of the day-to-day support line for employees and line managers there's a role there that HR services could start to fill, which is about driving experience, driving value, and effectively becoming like a people experience and solutions kind of function, which is, again, kind of the, the title of the paper. So it was about those two things. How do we start to change perhaps the traditional perceptions? What are organizations doing? And if you've got a mature business model, such as shared services, it must be right for transformation. And therefore, mm. what are organizations doing? What do they aspire to do more of? And what could the future look like? Yeah. So from the actual white paper itself, just listening to what you were saying there, would you say that it's accurate if I was to make a statement of this white paper is a bit of a rally cry for Mm. HR shared services to kind of the the words that you said there about, you know, the back office seen as a back office admin function. Is this an opportunity? Is this does this white paper really look at, as I said, it's a rally rally cry, a bit like HR on the offensive was, you know, HR needs to step out of the shadows. Yeah. Is this is this HR shared services rally cry? I would like to think so. Yes. And that, that's kind of how I thought about it when I framed in particular the first chapter, which is why it is placed at the beginning. So that first chapter around what's in a name, everything. Mm. And it is a rally cry because I do think that if we focus more on what is our real mandate here, if we're trying to drive value, how do we do that? How do we position ourselves, therefore, within the the HR function, but also the wider business? Um, Because obviously in delivering end-to-end services, we're partnering with other functions in the business. How do we describe ourselves? Is it HR shared services? Is it HR operations? Is it people services? Is it something completely different? And it's not about branding for branding's sake at all. There's got to be changed to substance behind that. But I'd like to think that when people read the report, that first chapter in particular strikes a chord it's kind of actually we know we want to do more so therefore how could we do that be that in terms of the positioning and that mandate and the name or be that through fundamentally changing the substance which is then what we start to explore in some of the other chapters as well yeah and so let's talk about the people that you interviewed as well so who who were the what who were the types of people that you reached out to when did you reach out to them yeah if you can just give me a bit of an overview for our listeners yeah of course of course so when thinking about this research i was really keen not to go down the route of a mass survey predominantly for the reason that I wanted to gain deep insights as to practical things that organizations were doing to address some of the challenges and shape that future. And you can only get so much of that by going through a, through a mass survey. So it was very much a structured interview approach, um, sort of an hour and a half to two hours per interview around lots of different topics that then formed the themes in the report that, that you'll have seen. 
And I didn't go in with any bias from an industry standpoint or from, you know, these are the top 10 clients or organizations that I would love to get a perspective from. It was very much going out to people through LinkedIn, um, also through our existing network, going to a couple of existing clients as well that we were just about to start working with. And this was sort of January, February, March time of this year, just as COVID started to, to kick off. And therefore, that's why you see, I think, a really nice balance of, of organizations in the profile from you know, 1,500 employees, maybe you know a couple of geographies that they operate in, all the way through to 100,000 employees with 90 countries in, in some instances. So really nice mix of demographics from a size point of view, also the platforms that they were operating on, as again, you'll, you'll have seen in the report, be that they've moved to cloud or that they're still on-prem. Again, dependent on their maturity journey, um, be they in financial services or, or in the private sector, hoping, therefore, that with that spread of the range of participants, that there would be something that would resonate with every single person that read the report. Okay. And I'm not, you know, I'm not expecting that someone will read the report and go, that 100% resonates with, with me. It's more about the couple of nuggets in there that just start to go, hmm. Maybe that's something that we could do, or that's a challenge we're facing right now. Let's take that away and, and think about some practical examples that we could take from this to support. Yeah, and that's the key thing, isn't it? It's when we're writing these type of white papers, it's what are the little nuggets that we can leave you with? We're not expecting this to be a Bible for which is supposed to be referenced at every mm. particular turn. It is about giving HR shared services teams something to think about. I want to talk about the COVID situation, actually, because mm -hmm. as you said, the you reached out to these companies in January, February, March. Did the narrative or the conversations that you change, you, you had with them, did that change? I suspect it did change, but how did it change? Give me a little bit of a yeah. of an overview from that perspective, because I'd imagine it, it shifted quite a lot. Conversation in January to if you're then re-engaging with that same person in June, July time of this year. Well, the themes didn't actually, interestingly. The importance of them was only really expedited and, and heightened more through the COVID scenario. So you know, had 25 interviews, um, as I say, up to sort of um, mid-March time, and then we all went into, into lockdown. Very much wanted to make sure, to your point, Chris, that the findings were still accurate. So over the summer period, had, had focus groups with the various participants to stress test the findings and the themes as they were emerging. And what was really interesting was everyone said, this absolutely is important, but it's more important now than it probably was before. Mm -hmm. um, particularly things around digitization, which probably won't surprise anyone listening to this because we've all had to had to make that shift. But not all organizations that that we you know interviewed as part of the research had certain things on their radar at that point in time. So I think I think it was nearly two-thirds of them or, or just over 50% said that actually the COVID situation had expedited their need to invest in service delivery technology. So the likes of tier zero, case management, um, chatbots. They may already have invested in it, but it was about doing more with what they already had. The other thing that kind of really came through, I think, from testing those, those findings in the focus groups over the summer and then since is the COVID situation is a bit of a do, has been a bit of a do or die moment, I mm. think, for, for, for HR as a whole, but particularly for, for HR shared services. Those organizations that have been really successful have just pivoted. They've just had to throw completely out the rule book. You know, HR shared services leaders thinking on their feet breaking down barriers, breaking down silos, and even not necessarily, not necessarily following processes in some instances, you know, creating brand new processes from scratch. And I think just that ability to do that and to do that really quickly and also then prove the worth has been a fantastic achievement and opportunity over the past six, seven months that 
we probably would never have had in the same way. And that really, I think, came to life in the, the focus groups where some of the individuals said, this has been our moment to really cement our worth in our organisation. It's actually probably opened doors that it never would have done before. Mm-hmm. So yeah. fantastic opportunity in a very difficult situation, obviously. Yeah. And obviously from where we stand at the moment, it's December, you know, the the announcements on vaccines and what have you mean people are starting to look at okay what sort of normality can return back to life and we've done a couple of podcasts as a, as a business where we talked about hr needing to seize this opportunity and not letting things go back to the old way so i think there's there's definitely something in that there's some really interesting stuff from the from the white paper that's worth looking at let me just ask you about some anything that surprised you mm. from the white paper was there anything from the conversation that you had you just thought oh okay that's interesting yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that was a bit of a surprise to me was, and this is probably going to sound really silly now I say it, but um, I think people will understand why, is just how important still fixing the basics is. Yeah. So it, it still surprises me, both from the, you know, the clients that we work with on a day-to-day basis, and then also when you talk to you know, contacts, friends in your network, just how important that still is, i.e. we still haven't quite got that right. Um, and until we get that bang on, it does pose the questions to how much credibility you have to ask to, to do to do more. Um, and then when I was asking about kind of service delivery technology and then also capabilities linked to that, because I think the two do go hand in hand. Um, and you'll see in the report, you know, some statistics around the use of um, knowledge management being really high compared to perhaps the use of, of AI, which is at the bottom of, of the list. Yeah. Now. AI has always been one of those where it's quite new, so it's going to take time for it to gather momentum. And I did, I did think it would be relatively new still in in the organisations in in the research pool, but I didn't think it would be quite as far down the bottom of the list as it is, particularly even in the future. You know that that we I did a an as is and then a kind of future roadmap viewpoint, and it's at the bottom on both of them. <laughs> so yeah. for it to be at the bottom of today kind of made sense in some ways because. If you still need to fix the basics, you're not ready maturity-wise. It's necessarily for AI where you need robust governance, you need really clean data that's easily accessible, you need very good processes that are well-defined, and you also need potentially content that's well-defined and accurate that supports that, particularly if you're thinking about chatbots. But for it to also be at the bottom of the future did surprise me. So but both that fix the basics bit and also, I guess, the readiness for AI in the future, because there's a lot of talk about the value it can bring. And therefore, my question is, well, what is it that's stopping us wanting to do more of that in the future? I think there is a data element, a governance element, breaking down silos piece to do with that. I also think a big bit of it, though, is capability. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about that, interestingly, in HR on the offensive in the, the, the predecessor white paper about some of the capabilities um, that are required in HR, you know, digital being one of them, technology linked to that being another. But AI for me and that data interpretation analysis and just thinking very differently is still a big, big gap. And it's a gap that, interestingly, the more research that I did into this and speaking to, to others about is still a gap in IT, which really yeah. did surprise me too, actually. So, yeah, that kind of fixing the basics piece is still really, really important, more important than I thought it would be, i.e. we've not cracked that yet, still more to do there. But also some of the things around just readiness for AI also the capabilities that we need in the future. Just, you know, I had a hypothesis that the softer skills would be very important going into the future. And that didn't surprise me 
in the sense of the findings kind of resonating with it, but it surprised me in that everyone was going, yeah, we need to think about it, but we don't have a plan for mm. it. So things such as, you know, building consulting skills, building that EQ, those coaching kind of skills, if we're thinking about perhaps starting to elevate the role of an advisor to just from managing day to day, how do I type queries to actually being there? And Chris, I can see, you know, you called up last week. I know at the moment you're dealing with a really stressful situation with one of your colleagues, X, Y, Z, you know, having that empathy for someone on the end of the phone or be over email, dependent on your contact strategy and investing in those skills and that customer experience skills. And also then learning from marketing and, you know, customer operations. Mm. A lot of the organizations weren't actually even thinking about that yet. If they are externally facing, they've probably got great plans, great strategies and approaches in place to do that and focus on those things. So we're missing a trick there, I think, as well. So, yeah, a few different things surprised me, I would say. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, the in the white paper itself, we've identified those 15 kind of capability areas, haven't we? Artificially intended, continuously listening, virtual networks, relationship management, people manager, advisor and coach, value driver, emotional intelligence, customer first experience driven, coaching. You mentioned, obviously, you talked about that, the change management side, change yeah. agent, business advisor, project management, risk and compliance and, and specialist as well. So in the report itself, we've identified some of those. So it's certainly worth mm-hmm. having a look at. And if you if you do get the chance, and of course, we would love you to download the white paper. Is there anything, because we're just coming towards the end, this was just a short sort of pre-Christmas podcast that we wanted to do, just to tell people about, you know, the inspiration behind the white paper itself. Is there anything that you'd kind of leave as a takeaway for anybody that um, was listening in now? You know, if you if you've got 15 minutes in between a meeting and you take away just one bit, this is the bit that I'd encourage you to focus on. No, absolutely. And it's it's actually quite funny. You were reading off that kind of t- list of 10 or 15. And I was sitting there thinking, gosh, that's a long list. And actually, does that apply to every role within HR yeah. shared services or, you know, future maybe world of people experience and solutions in the same way? And the answer is no, it doesn't necessarily. Um, and then for me, kind of thinking about the, the takeaways, it's that felt like a long list. So actually, where do you start? Where should I start building those capabilities? Or, oh my gosh, like looking at the kind of HR technology roadmap of the future for service delivery tech. I want to do more in AI, but what are the building blocks to to get that to work? So there's something for me about not being daunted by the size of the opportunity and the journey to get there. It's how can we as, you know, individuals working together in this space, make small interventions that start to prove an impact and back to that kind of where do you start piece. So is it about defining your mandate so that then if you've got a really clear mandate, everything else in terms of your priorities, your roadmap, your change interventions all feed off of that. If you've already got your mandate, I guess sense checking that that's still applicable in light of maybe where your business might be now, particularly having gone through the year that we've all gone through. And actually, at the end of the day, if you've got technology because I'm a great believer that technology is not a silver bullet. So do not be led by technology in, in driving a transformation journey because you will never get the return on investment that you're expecting to just through the technology. What is it about the way that you work? What is it about defining the outcomes for success? So if you think about employee experience, well, how are you going to prove that you focus on employee experience? You've probably got more data than actually you realize right now, just by talking to you know people in the team, going out and talking to employees as much as also then data that you might have available through your systems and your, your tools. So I think a final takeaway for me would be linking it to capabilities. So again, back to that point that this is about a fundamental change to the operating model. So process, people, technology, governance, et cetera. 
we've been talking about redefining the role of the HR business partner for ages in mm. HR. We want our HR business partners to be more strategic. Fine. That's a great ambition to have. If that's what you want to do, that therefore means there is more scope for HR shared services to do more, to help enable your business partners to be more strategic. So how are you going to do that? Is that through stopping some things? Is that through, you know, bringing more activity in and actually having that tough dialogue? Because let's face it, there will be some stuff the business partners do not want to let go because that's just what they like doing. That's mm-hmm. a tough conversation to have. But again, maybe try and pick your battles. Choose an area that actually you think has got slightly more buy-in. Bring those activities in. Prove the case. Back to that small interventions point. But at the same time, if we're going to uplift our capabilities, we've got to invest in the enablers to do that, which means investing in capability. It might mean fundamentally hiring a slightly different set of individuals in the future in, in HR shared services. Um, you know, those individuals that come from different backgrounds, maybe from customer operations, maybe even from marketing, maybe elsewhere. So I've, I've waffled on. I said I wouldn't talk for more than 15 minutes, didn't I, Chris? But hey, I guess key takeaways would be, what are some of the small things that potentially you could now, looking at some of those chapters and some of the key takeaways, actually, that we've got at the back of the report? I think we've got three or four challenge questions per chapter, yep. which hopefully we'll then just start to sow some seeds and get some ideas going with our listeners and our readers. Yeah, get that grey matter going. And certainly, again, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, if you want to download, it's at www.lacepartners.co.uk forward slash shared services. That's all one word, shared services. Ems, brilliant as always to talk to you. Thank you very, very much for uh, for letting our listeners in. Just a little peek inside the uh, inside the white paper before they, they go and have a read themselves. Uh, you're very welcome. Looking forward and, to feedback. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to get some feedback. We'd love to get some feedback. So if you want to reach out to either myself or Ems, please feel free to do so. Uh, you can get this podcast, as you probably know, if you're a subscriber via iTunes. Uh, we're on Spotify, SoundCloud, and uh, all of our back catalogue is on the Lace Partners website, which is um, forward slash podcast at the end. Ems, really good to talk to you. And we will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive podcast. Merry Christmas. And Merry goodbye. Christmas.